Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's look at the book of John, the third chapter. John, the third chapter. And uh, we'll begin reading with verse number 23. I'm sure it will. it is there on the screen behind me. If you want to follow along there, you can read in your Bible or smart device, whatever you may have. 23 says, And John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem, because there was, somebody shout, much water. John was baptizing in a specific place because, the, the Bible says, because there was much water there. Amen. What a, what a powerful indication and uh, evident truth that we have to be baptized according to Scripture, you need much water. Not a thimbleful, not a sprinkling of, not a few drops. Baptism is, it requires much water. As the Greek word baptizo tells us to be buried or dipped or immersed or plunged beneath. Amen. Completely covered. John was there because there was much water. He was baptizing and people came and they were baptized, the Bible said. For John was not yet cast into prison. So we know the course that his life did take and ultimately ended up with him being incarcerated and life taking taken from him, but this is previous to that. He's baptizing people, and there arose, 25 says, a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. So it's interesting that this question would rise on the heels of talking about baptism. So not only is baptism a burial, but it is also a purifying. There is a cleansing that happens at baptism. It's not just something where you're plunged beneath, but there is a transformation that takes place. What was dirty, what was filthy, is now purified and made clean. So a question rises among John's disciples and the Jews about this purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, or teacher, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, this is referencing Jesus, to whom thou bearest witness, you bore witness of him, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. They said, the man that you recognized and you pointed out and gave witness to, he is now baptizing, and people, if you will, come to him. They were trying to create a competition or some type of trouble between John and Jesus and seeing if they could pull on John to say something negative about the Lord. And so the Bible said, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Now, I could, I could get real theological and we could spend a whole lot of time here, but this is an interesting 
progression of Scripture. They're talking about baptism. They're talking where we, where we began, where they were and what it required, much water, and John is doing this. And then they start raising the question of purifying. And then they say, but Jesus is doing the same thing. And John comes back and said, none of us can do anything or none of us can receive anything unless it comes from heaven. So if you want a burial, true burial to happen that has purification attached to it, then it's something that has to happen from heaven. You don't just get wet and get clean. When you start talking about baptism, it's not a bath. All right, don't be confused. There's a cleansing that comes that is a spiritual cleansing that happens because heaven grants that in someone's life. And so he said it's given from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. And he and he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. Verse 30, now he makes this statement, He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. And once again, we see this attachment to burial, decrease, and increase purifying and all the things that were being talked about. So I want to talk for just a little while and from this thought, if you'll just follow along with me as I read several more verses and make some statements concerning these verses. From this thought, the path to increase. The path to increase. God bless you and you may be seated. Amen. Shout increase. Shout it louder. You have a mask on and I can't hear you. Shout it even louder. Increase. Amen. That is weak and pitiful and sad and I'm really hurting for you. Amen. Increase. We serve a God of increase. We serve a God that I uh, fully believe is all about bringing blessing and favor into our lives. Outside of faith in Him, the Bible says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that life more abundantly. Amen. He is about pushing, if you will, benefiting, favoring your life and bringing into what the Scripture would call an abundant life. Anybody thankful for an abundant life? Without the Lord, all we could look forward to is destruction and thievery and hardship but with the Lord on our side and with the Lord in our life, there is blessing and there is favor and there is abundance and there is promise that He has destined for each and every one of us. In fact, it's in Genesis 8.22 where the Bible says, While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not Cease. All of this, all of this plays into increase. 
It all plays into life. It all plays into growth. It all plays into abundance. As long as the earth remaineth, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. God is not about stagnant life. God is not about lifeless creation. God is not about... You could look at the very uh, description in Genesis 1 of how God laid this entire creation process out that ultimately on the sixth day He got to a place and a point where He created life, human life, to inhabit all of the previous things that He had already established and ordered. He did not just say, let there be and there was and leave it at that. It was all about progression. It was all about life. It was all about increase. It was all about abundance until uh, the place that He would go as far and say, increase. Plenish the earth. I don't want it to stay stagnant, small, same. I want this to continue to move forward. He's a God of increase. He's a God of abundance. He's a God about no matter how you came to the church, He wants your life to be better now than it was then. He wants your life to be better next week than it was last week. He wants your life to be better next month and next year than it was in times past. He's that kind of God because harvest is continually effective. You're always sowing something you will always be reaping something. So it's best to sow into the Spirit so out of the Spirit you can reap life, hallelujah, and life everlasting and not other things that would bring hardship and trial into your life. We will all face moments of advancement. We will all face moments of retreat. We will face times when there is great growth in our life and we will face times when there is decline. But it's all part of God's process and it does not stop at any one of those places. Now I know people who get off the track and they they somehow abandon the process when they're in a low place. And so they seem to be perpetually in a place of negativity and in doubt and unbelief and life is tough and life is hard and life will always be this way that's because they chosen to get off of the path if you will and start abiding in one place then I've met others who say man it's always great have you ever been around those kind of people where it doesn't matter what you say to them, everything's always awesome, everything's always great, everything's always phenomenal, everything is always over the top, and you want to punch them in the face and say, I know you're lying because there's no way life can always be that good. And then there's other people that are, like I said earlier, they're always in the doldrums, and I want to punch them in the face too and say it's not all bad all the time. Amen. There are times when you will have decline. But there will also be time when you live in great reward. 
And there will be times when you are advancing and there will be times when you are retreating. The whole point is don't abandon the process or stop in one location, but allow God to continue to unfold His plan and process in your life. Because things can change in a hurry. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to have to help pastor today and not act like You're in a Baptist church when you're in a Pentecostal church. Amen. Amen. See how that works? Shout amen. That makes me feel better. And it should make you feel better. Amen. But there are times when I'll take a Baptist nod if I can't get a Pentecostal amen. Just let me know you're alive out there. Listen, there are things in God that you and I have yet to obtain. There are things in God and places in God we have yet to arrive. He said it in His Word. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, if it were not true, I would have told you. Behold, I I go to prepare a place for you that where I am ye may be also. He's saying there are places prepared that you have yet to arrive. But if you will follow in me and walk after me, I have destiny set for your life. Increase, favor, blessing, times of advancement. I like what the wise writer said in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, verse 1. He said, to everything there is a season. Shout season. Come on, we have seasons of time. We have winter and we have spring and we have summer and we have fall and we call those seasons. And even on the calendar, there are days that are marked that this is when winter begins. This is when summer ends. This is, and it's there. These are bookend by time markers that there is a season. It will not always be winter. It will not always be summer. It will not always be fall and it will not always be spring, but there is a season. And to everything, there is a season. What you're going through right now, what you're facing right now, what you and I are dealing with right now, there is a season that I'm in. And I have to make sure that I hold on to God long enough to get through this season and into the next season. This may be a time when everything is dying away, but the next season may be a season of life. There may be some springing back, if you will, something that changes. And He said to every purpose under the heaven. There is a purpose for your situation right now. He named a number of things, and I'll run through them quickly. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time of COVID from 
refrain from embracing. You don't embrace during this time. Some people are good with that. Others are not good with that. Some want to hug everybody and they break all the rules. And, and others, I'm not afraid. And then some don't want anything to do with anybody and they stay at uh, uh, many, many, many feet uh, difference from folks. And so there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to what? Cast away. Time to rend. A time to sow. A time to keep silent, especially in marriage. Learn this. And a time to speak. Amen. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. And then he concludes this by saying, What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made, shout made, God made. God did this. He hath made everything beautiful in His time. In God's time. See, we, we are in these seasons that we're locked in, but God is beyond time. God... God doesn't exist in time. Time exists in God. The difference is you and I are existing in time right now. So we have these limitations. But it says He will make everything beautiful in His time. Amen. And His time may not be your time and my time. So I just have to trust Him in the seasons and time that I'm in. That when God gets ready, all of this will make sense. But it may not come for a while but in His time it will all be made beautiful. How can anything beautiful come out of this loss? How can anything beautiful come out of this setback? How could anything beautiful come out of this pain? How could anything beautiful come out of all of this I've been going through? I'm not God. He's God. I can't answer that question. I can just tell you that the Bible says that He will make everything beautiful in His time. God will do it His way. And and he will do it when he is ready to do it. I just have to hold on during the process of trying to figure out all of it. And somebody shout, Amen. He said, and also he has set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. You and I will never be able to figure God out. And at the moment we think that we can, we wake up and realize we were sadly mistaken. I thought I knew what God was doing. I thought I knew what God was about. And then I wake up and realize He's beyond my wildest imagination. He's beyond anything I could ever comprehend up that His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. But I trust Him with my life to the degree that I'll let Him make beautiful what He wants to make beautiful in His time and live Him through the process. It was John that stated this and I would say he stated it in a way that it comes across as an absolute. I must decrease. Not there's an option for this. I might get around to it. If things work out, then possibly, or I'm not sure. He said this. John said, I must decrease. I have to somehow die out to my self-will. I have to die out 
to my own plans and ambitions. I have to die out to where I am. And, and he said this to the degree that we take out of that that there is no way the Lord can truly be seen in our lives and He can shine through our lives if we have other things in the way. If people are going to see God in us, if they're going to follow truth and understand our uh, sacrifice and service to Jesus Christ, they're only going to see that through the lives that we live. And I want to make sure that Jesus is shining brighter than anything else. That it's not my spirit, my attitude, my self-will, my, uh, my selfish ambitions that are blocking people from seeing the Lord. John had this unique ministry. It was a unique ministry that had been prophesied about and declared that his calling would come about and he pushed the kingdom of God forward in his life. I, I, I thought about it in the first service. Here's a guy that is bridging the gap in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Here is a guy that now 400 or so years has passed and there's been silence, no open vision. God is not in any way that we have in scriptural text dealing with mankind. And all of a sudden, the birth of this Child, child by the name of John, the baptizer, we know him. And John has this unique place in, in history as that man that is now tying old and new together. And he, he's somewhat unorthodox. And people are not used to his style of ministry or his demands that were being made. And John is the only voice, the only voice of truth that we have ringing out in Scripture. Now, it's interesting because I'm just one, I'm one of many. I'm one of hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of voices that are in the world today declaring truth. I'm only one of many. He was the only one. Think of that for a moment. I mean, it, it's, it's unique. It was unique because Noah knew a little bit about this unique position. Because Noah in his day was the only one saying, get right with God, get right with God, get right with God, repent, get things straight, judgment is coming. Noah was the only one. John was the only one. Think about the importance of that role. That if everything were to fall solely on my shoulders to try and influence 7 billion people on the face of the earth. Now, I would say that you would take that responsibility in a great way and not, not lightly at all that you're the only one. But in that, it would be easy. It would be easy to get caught up in your own fame. It would be easy to get caught up in your own calling. Right? And now all of a sudden, someone else comes on the scene. 
right? And you have disciples, followers, and he has disciples and followers. And not only is it someone else, it's a family member. It's a cousin. It's a relative. That's just a number of months behind you and you're only his senior by a short frame of time. And your disciples come and say, hey, you know that guy that you bore witness of? Yes. On the other side, of yes. Hey, he's, and he, he's coming on. There's some things happening in his life and in his ministry. He's a baptist. You're a baptist. You're a baptizer. He's a baptizer. You have disciples. He has disciples. People are going. What? What do you? And you? And you actually in front of everybody said he's legit. What were you thinking? Come on, John. This was our corner on the market. And in all of that, without going into long explanation, John said, he must increase and I must decrease. This is interesting to me because there could have been competition here. There there could have been a struggle. There could have been uh, an arrogance, an ego, a power. Call it what you want. There could have been a struggle right there. But John realized the kingdom and the purpose of the kingdom is so much bigger and so much greater than just me and my personality and him and his personality and my calling and his call. It's so much bigger than all of that. The only reason I have what I have is because of heaven and I'm thankful for what has been given to me. But if it's time for me to take the next step, then I'm willing to decrease that the kingdom might go forward, that the purpose of God might go forward. And you have all of this in John's unique position that he found himself in. Life had placed him in a prominent role and now he is choosing to go another direction by saying, I must decrease. That's the paramount challenge in all of our life. It's the paramount challenge for every one of us to get to the place where we say, just let His will be done. I I don't need the credit. I don't need the glory. I don't need the attention. I don't need the recognition. As long as the kingdom is being enhanced and the kingdom is going forward, then God help me just to fulfill my place in all of this. It was Jesus that said in John 12, 24, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. I want to talk to you about the path to increase. The path to increase is not to see how much you can get, to see how much you can gain, to see how much you can hoard, to see how much you can collect. The path to Increase is to see how much you can give away, to see how much you can sacrifice, to see what you can commit to the cause of Christ that is greater than any acquirement, if you will, of personal recognition or even monetary advancement. Except a grain of wheat fall, fall into the ground and die. Think about this. Think about the value 
the value of John's life. Here is one guy responsible for being the forerunner and paving the way for Christ to come after him. It wasn't a conglomerate. It wasn't this great group. It was one guy as the forerunner breaking through all of the hindrance and hardness and coldness that was there present in the world at that time. John's life had great value. And I would say it also had great importance that that all of us are here today as a result of the life that he lived and the sacrifices that he made. He was important. And, and, And no less, you and I are valuable in the kingdom of God. And we are important to the plan of God. If we were not valuable and important, we would not even be sitting here right now. He valued you and I so much that He robed Himself in flesh. He came and paid the highest sacrifice for our salvation. Your life is invaluable to Him that He would give every drop of blood. And important, important that He would bring you into the kingdom for such a time as this. You and I could have lived at any other time, but He chose us to live right now. Say, well, I don't know if I can handle this. Apparently He thought you could, or you would never be breathing fresh air right now. He values you, and you are important in the kingdom of God, so you're attached to this, and you are a part of this. I want you to see this, that when you sacrifice it all, when you die out, When you decrease, you are not jeopardizing your value or your importance. You are not bringing into question whether He loves you or not. John was not devalued or took a lesser role his life of importance because he ended up in a prison and finally with his head taken off his shoulders. He decreased. He could have fought the whole process. He could have rose up and said, but wait a minute, I'm supposed to be getting the attention. Wait a minute, I'm supposed to be doing all of this. But he realized that I am doing what He called me to do. Help me to fall in line with His plan and His purpose. Amen. The Scripture says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And what will He do? He will exalt you in due time. Amen. What I've found for most of us is that we have to undertake this willful sacrifice. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. It's not something He will force us into. If He forced it into us, or if we forced, He was forcing us into that, then it wouldn't have the same results because we didn't do it willfully. When you humble yourself, you are willfully saying, I'm placing all of my plans in your hand. 
And I'm placing my today and my tomorrow and my future into your hands. And I trust you with the result of all of that. And so God, I I humble myself. Just because you have humbled yourself does not mean you're weak. It does not mean that you have no value. It doesn't mean that you're not important. It simply means that you have realized the greatness attached to meekness. Amen. So when when you humble yourself and you do that, you do that out of meekness of life, meekness of heart, not because you're a weak individual. When people look at the church and say, why are you living that way? And why are you doing that? Because I want to be meek in the presence of God. I want to give God the opportunity to do whatever it is He wants to do in and through my life. The path to increase is through decreasing. And here's what I find with most of us and and at least the people that I've had the opportunity to, to, to deal with, and that is most often we have to decrease in our attitudes. We have to decrease in our in our spirit when our attitude isn't what it needs to be when our spirit isn't what it needs to be and we get cross or we get sideways with our family or with the church or with the pastor or even with God and we have to say, wait a minute, I need to decrease right now. I'm not letting this attitude get a hold of me. I'm not going to let this spirit get a hold of me right now because I realize if increase and abundance and blessing like God wants to bring into my life, if it's ever going to come to me, it will come when I lay it all down when I just decrease in the presence of God and say God search my heart, search my spirit, search my attitude you know what we are most often we are the first ones to know if our attitude's not right we're the first ones to know if our spirit's not right but sometimes we're the last ones to do anything about it and that's the problem we're the first ones to know and the last ones to do anything about it And so in that time, we're in this holding pattern and what God would do and what God would choose to do, He doesn't do because we haven't come to the place where we would say, I must decrease. I cannot let this go one day, one week, one month, one year. I have to deal with it right now. I have to bring it to the foot of the cross. I have to lay it down again because the kingdom and the efforts of the kingdom are so much greater and so much more important than this issue that I may have. So it most often happens to us through personal recognition. We recognize something's not right in our heart and life. Then there's times where we we receive a gentle reminder through the Word of God. Whether it's reading the Word, studying the Word, hearing the preached Word of God, whatever it is, we get a gentle reminder that something needs to change in my life. Or we feel this restlessness and we feel this place where we're uncomfortable, where we're just things are not right and we seek godly counsel and godly counsel would say to us, hey, you need to take this to 
foot of the cross. You need to make this right. You need to lay it down. Decreasing will put you on the path to increase. But if you just refuse, what does the Bible say? If you save your life, you will lose it. But if you will lose your life for my sake, then you'll gain life. Amen. It's just this reverse thing that God has in His kingdom and the way He works that we have to allow things to not not be attached to us. We have to let them go. Let me ask you this question because this is, this is something that has been rolling over in my mind for, for some time. How has 2020 changed you? If you can remember a year ago. Some of us have a hard time remembering yesterday, much less... A year ago, but if you can remember a year ago, where were you a year ago in your mind, in your heart, in your spiritual life, in your walk with God? Where were you a year ago? What has 2020 done? Has it changed you any? Do you feel more jaded today? Do you feel more distant today? Do you feel more indifferent today? Do you feel weak today or far or cold? Where are you today? Has 2020 caused you to be uh, analytical? Has it caused you to be judgmental? Has it caused you to be critical? Has it caused you to place doubt on everybody and everything? Or have you somehow let the Holy Ghost through all of this bring you to a place where you say, God, I don't understand it all and I cannot figure it all and there's great loss and there's been great pain and there's been great hurt but I pray that Lord through this I've been changed and I'm closer to you today than I was a few days ago that I'm more my trust is more complete in you and I'm more confident that you are reigning supreme and it doesn't matter what comes our way you will see us through you will work in the most adverse situation you will stand beside us come on the riders said I once was young now I'm old life has changed me life has worked on me trials and problems and setbacks have helped me he said I've never seen the righteous forsaken I've never seen his seed begging bread come on if 2020 is doing anything let it push you to be closer to God let it push you to be more humble before him let it push you to be poured out before him decrease in his presence and watch what God will do to add increase in the days ahead. Listen, it'd be easy for us to be upset with people, be upset with family, be upset with all types of situations and our attitude and our spirit not be what it should be and our hearts be distant from God. But I'm just calling on you today. Get on the path to increase because when this season is over, God's going to bring something beautiful out of it. And He's looking for those who'll just hold on. He's looking for those who'll say, search my mind. Search my heart. Search my spirit, God. Help my attitude to be what it should be. Don't let my loss jade me. Don't let the pain I've been through cause me to lose heart. But right now, God, I trust you. My confidence is in you. I'm believing you for a great turnaround. You are still in charge. You are still Lord. You are still God. You still reign supreme. And there isn't anything that can move you from that place of authority. Let's stand together. I must decrease 
I must decrease. I must decrease. Come on, it's the way we find we find God's favor in our lives. Amen, 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 amen. The writer said, and I find it interesting, he, he could have taken a different path. But he said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. He said, I'd rather take on whatever role. I, I thought my path was something different. I imagine John thought that his life would be a lot longer. If Jesus died at 33 and a half or so, John was just six, eight, nine months or so. His elder, John, died at that same young age. He was, he was literally shaking the world, the religious world. He had their attention. And just like that, it was over. But he said, I, I have to travel that path because increase has to come there. I, I mean, that's a big change of plans when you're the only voice and everybody's responding to you and then all of a sudden, it's cut off. Can we be as good with decrease as we are increase? Because you'll never be able to enjoy your increase if you can't be good with the decrease that comes. If you can't handle the loss in your life, the loss of purpose, the loss of family, the loss of calling, the loss of direction, the loss of whatever it may be, self-will. If you can't get through that, then I can promise you, you will never be able to handle the increase that comes. Because when you, when you live on the bottom and you're okay with the bottom, you get through the tough times and you hold on when everything is against you and, and your world seems to be crazy, when the increase comes, you're not as attached to the increase because you know the same God that's with me in the increase is the same God that was with me when I didn't have anything. And He will bring comfort and He will bring strength in every situation. So I'm willing to decrease that your kingdom and your purpose and your will may go forward. Because he said it and I read it to you and we quoted it and, and I didn't spend time commenting on it. But he said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, 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 by itself, singular. But if it die, <laughs> but if it die, but if it decreases, what did it say? It'll bring forth. It's going to bring forth what? Much fruit. So it's in the singular death of someone's purpose and desire and attitude and heart, whatever it may be, that all of a sudden great fruit comes. But he said, if it die. In other words, if it doesn't die, if it doesn't die, then the much fruit never comes. Ask Abraham and Isaac about that process. Abraham, if you hold on to your boy, all you will ever have is that one. But if you lay him on the altar and you give him to me, I'll make you the father of many. <sighs> Stars of the heavens, the sand of the seashore, you won't even be able to number what comes out of the fruit of laying one down. Are you hearing me right now? 
decrease. There's favor in decrease. There's abundance and blessing attached to it. But we have to be good with it and we have to be okay with it. And we have to work our way through it. And on the other side of it, God makes everything beautiful in His time. God will do it if you're thankful for that. Lift your hands and lift your voices and let's talk to Him together across this place right now. God, we want Your plan. We want Your purpose.